on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. I think creativity needs constraints. I think to be really successful, you have to say no to way more than what you say yes to. And I just didn't understand that in my early days. I thought that if I gave up those opportunities that that came my way, then I somehow wasn't going to grow the business or I wasn't going to be this visionary leader. And what I've learned is that I'm far more successful when I constrain my ideas, when we have a process for introducing new initiatives, and when I have a plan that everybody can execute off of. We're so much more successful now because of that. But I had to learn the hard way. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life. But have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to right, die. There we go. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, I've got Carrie Siggins on the King stage as a queen. Welcome. How are Thank you, Carrie? I'm so good. Thank you for having me. I'm so looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I say this every single time I have a female guest that a king is not masculine, it's mindset. And you have built an incredible business. And, and teams. And so we're going to have an amazing conversation here today. So again, thank you just for being here and bringing the heat as a queen. Appreciate that. Let's do it. King and queen. Hey, it, does, it all doesn't matter, right? As long as you're exactly. living your best life, <laughs> who cares what people call that. you? <laughs> I love that. Love that. Carrie, I want to know what kind of business are you? I am in a very niche business and we basically make squirt guns on steroids. So, yeah. We make industrial cleaning equipment that uses high pressure water to clean all kinds of facilities that are very important to the world, like refineries, chemical plants, food processing plants. Our products are used to go clean all of the production equipment that that is used to make everything that we use the the tires in our car the gasoline that we that we use to drive to work the plastic in you know our mouth the glass in our iPhones Sorry. every all that comes from an industrial facility that has to be cleaned so we're a really important part of the supply chain although no one pays much attention to us unless something goes wrong <laughs> that's right that's right and then you're the first person and you're getting blown up Oh, pretty much. Pretty much. Yes. Yes. We are in a business of now. I need it now. (laughs) That's right. Well, I I think that from maybe a hidden industry, we're going to be able to pull out business principles that are super applicable, not just for for our talk, you and me, but I think for the listener as well. So before we get into your story and kind of how you got started, a little bit more about the business, I want to know at this stage in the game for you, you've obviously had an immense amount of success. Why are you still doing it? Why are you pushing? What's next? What's the bigger picture? What's your why? So Stone Age is an employee-owned company, and my legacy is I want to create a thousand millionaires through employee ownership. And I'm such a believer in capitalism, but I feel like capitalism has gone awry with the concentration of wealth and the fact that only a very few are truly, truly benefiting from it. And most of the people who build the value in a company don't. And through employee ownership, that's a way to change that outcome. And so my goal is to create a billion dollar company here where we create a thousand millionaires 
And that's a legacy that I want to leave behind. So even though I've had a lot of success in my career, there's a lot of unfinished business. And that's my primary driver is, is really, and it's not about creating millionaires, right? It's about truly flipping the narrative about wealth creation and making it possible for people who are loyal to a company who come in and work really hard every day that are great teammates that, that share the vision that share the mission that they too can have a really great life. They can live their best life too. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just about the king or queen, as you said, living the best life, but in this case, everybody. Exactly. My follow-up question to that would be like, have you always had that like heart dream of being able to make multiple millionaires of other people or is it is has grown over the years how how why is this the why yeah no it's definitely evolved and i think that 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 your vision as a leader always always evolves as you mature as as a leader i always have wanted to be an impactful leader ever since i was a little girl like my mom said i came out of the womb and was like the boss and i think i think i have a daughter that fits <laughs> that description like that? Yeah. All right. Yep. Uh, and so, but I never wanted to, you know, I always wanted to inspire people to lead, whether it was the, you know, being the captain of the softball team or on a project, right? I always wanted to bring people together so that we were successful. We always won as a team. So that's been a very intrinsic motivation for me my entire life, but I never really understood the power of employee ownership until I started working for an employee-owned company and until we started to scale and I I could see what was truly possible. So the thread is impactful leadership that is that, that helps people make their own lives better. And this has just been like the next evolution of it, of, of not just I have purpose and meaning in my work, but I can truly create a better life for myself through through ownership of a company. That's incredible. Yeah, you're right. Our visions, our our perspective, where we're headed, <clears throat> all that's adjusting and changing over the course of time. But yeah. probably the underneath for you has always been leadership, like you said, just that mm-hmm. wanting to grow yourself, but then also other people. Yeah. And you've just put a dollar amount to that now, it sounds like. Exactly. Exactly. Very cool. Tell me about the beginning, like how entrepreneurship for you, just business. You said you came out of the womb as the boss. Like, did you have a business then? Like, like, give us, give us your upbringing. You know, it's interesting. I've never considered myself to be an entrepreneur. My husband's an entrepreneur, has started multiple businesses and, and we definitely have a different makeup. So I'm a hired gun. The two founders hired me when I was 28 to take over the company. And, And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that later because it was some of my biggest failures that got me to that point, but they, they took the huge risk on me and hired me to take over their company. But I've learned that I am an entrepreneur. I run an employee-owned company and I have... I have a really unique situation as a hired gun CEO. I think actually as a CEO of any company that you're a non-founder of, but I have... I have so much control of where this company is going because I've earned the trust and the respect of the founders. We've grown this from, you know, an $8 million company to a hundred million dollar company. You know, there's been lots and lots of successes that have given, afforded me the, the, the opportunity to to gain that trust, to, to really take this company where I think that it can go, where we think it can go. So I've learned that I do think a lot like an entrepreneur and I am aggressive like an entrepreneur. I, you can't tell me that something can't be done because I will prove that it can be done. And I've realized that 
you know, even though I never had that idea of like, oh, this is what I'm going to start my company. I, I sold myself short by, by thinking, well, just because I don't have that one idea that I'm not an entrepreneur and I definitely am, but it took someone taking a chance on me when I was in my late twenties for me to learn that about myself. Yeah. Interesting. Where do you think that you'd be now if you hadn't had been given that opportunity with then specifically the ability to grow and like space to figure out that you were really an entrepreneur? Honestly, I don't know that I would be alive. Wow. Yeah. So that was a really tough time in my life. And when I was given that opportunity, it was the catalyst that I needed to make a dramatic change. And I, I, as you can probably see, I live life very intensely and that has manifested itself in some really negative ways. And so by being given the opportunity to really step into leadership and do it in a, in a, a culture that, that is all about people and, and, and how we're doing this together it was, yep. it was what I needed to be able to say, I can choose something different for my life. So yeah, you never know, right? You can look back and say, maybe this would have happened. Maybe this would have happened. I don't know. Maybe I'd be a CEO sure. of some other company, but I can, I can say there's a pretty good chance that I wouldn't be alive. Yeah. Not only is that just super impactful, I'm sure relatable to some listeners, but I think, I think what you described there is underneath your desire to serve and your why of all of this, it really stems because someone served you. Exactly. exactly. And I think as entrepreneurs, as we get, you know, even more and more successful, it's not really about necessarily the next dollar or the next hundred million. It's, it's about giving to others what, what someone had given to us. Exactly. That's, that is my biggest impact now. It's the, I'm a big believer in self-leadership self-leadership is one of our core values here at stone age. And when, whether it's through sharing an experience, giving somebody an opportunity, pushing somebody when they, you know, when I see like, they can do really big things. They just need that little push. When someone comes back and says, Hey, because you gave me that opportunity or you believed in me, look at what I did. Like that is such a, you know, I, it, it's so fulfilling, but it's not even about how fulfilling it feels for me. Like I'm so proud of people who can go and, you know, what they have and go make something more with it. And if they get that opportunity by working at stone age, by, you know, by, you know, working with me, asking me questions by somehow being inspired by any of the things that we're doing here, then that's what makes it all worthwhile. Yeah, you're describing this moment. I'm trying to make it a little bit relatable for the listener who maybe they're in their first business. Maybe they haven't done a a million dollars in revenue yet. And so they've got a team of maybe one or two or three or maybe even 10. And they're kind of questioning themselves on whether they're a good leader and, you know, maybe how you were when you were 28, right? And so what was that moment for you? Or do you have like maybe a story that you could tell, like you were given the opportunity, but when was that first opportunity where you like, got to pour into someone else and you could like, you took a chance on them and it was kind of outside the comfort zone type of thing. Yeah. Interestingly, my, my book is going to be coming out in 2023 and it addresses just that, like that first time entrepreneur CEO who is like, Oh my God, I'm in over my head. What do I do? How do I figure out how to be an impactful leader? So if you are in that situation, it'll check it out because it's everything that I've learned how to do and, and what not to do to, to figure out how to be that impactful leader that really does help people change their, their lives. 
I, I can't remember. I mean, I, I've had so many opportunities because I have such a team that's willing to get vulnerable and open, but I'm going to share the yeah. most impactful one that that still, that just sticks with me today. I actually just told this on stage to 600 other CEOs a couple of weeks ago, and I don't share this story very often, but it makes a big difference. So my past, I had substance abuse issues and, and I overdosed in 2006 and, and I never shared my story out of fear of being judged about what, what people like, how could your CEO have a drug problem? And, right. but I, when I first told my story to my executive team, we were doing a team building session and, and we were, you know, getting really vulnerable. And I decided like, I just, I, it's too big of who I am. I have to tell this story. And so yeah. I did, but I was so scared and it was a groundbreaking moment where people started sharing their stories and we built these deeper connections. And I realized like, maybe it's not so scary to tell my story. So as more people within the company learned about it, more people would come up and, you know, talk, tell me about their problems and tell me about how they overcame something or would ask for help. And yeah. one day I got a call from one of my employees who was in Las Vegas and he said, Carrie, I don't know who else to call. I'm ready to jump off of my balcony. I was at a strip club and I came back and all my money is gone. And I have a receipt to my credit card for $15,000, but it's my signature, but I don't remember taking this out. I have no money. I don't know what to do. And it took me about two hours to convince him to go get on the plane and come home. I was like, look, I will help you when you get here. We'll figure it out. Just don't make any rash decisions. It's only money. I will let yeah. you borrow money to get you through this. So he gets back to, to, to Durango where I live and he comes into my office and he's a mess. And so we start working through, you know, how, what he's going to do to be okay, both emotionally, mentally, and, and financially. And I, I, we loaned him like $5,000, but I told him, I said, Derek, I think that there's something that's going on here, right? They probably drugged you. And cause I was like, did you do any drugs? He said, no, they probably drugged you. And so you should call the, the Las Vegas police department and file a report. Fast forward three years later, he gets like three times the money that was taken from him because he was part of a class action suit that, that were, was part of this whole process, whole ring of, of strip clubs wow. that were taking advantage of people. And so that's a pretty dramatic story, but here is what, here's what it means to me. He felt safe enough to call me and tell me that he needed help because he knew my story. And I think that, you know, again, we don't know what would have happened, but he might have not made it. And yeah. the fact that we had could share a connection in this really dark moment, because I understand those dark moments and he came out, he's thriving. He still works for us and, and that he could advocate for himself and actually make a big impact in this, in, in not only his life, but in the lives of all of these other people who were taken advantage of like that's impactful. So that's why I think it's really important for leaders to be willing to share their vulnerabilities, to be able to share their flaws, because it's not just about helping people become successful, climbing the ladder or getting better at their jobs. Sometimes it's about how do you be more successful in life, especially when you are feeling like you're at rock bottom. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what an impactful story. I think that the, the takeaway that I want the listener to have is they may have had that moment themselves, right? But how much more impactful now if they can, whether it's one or two people, or maybe they have a company of 200 and they're listening. The reality is, is that you're right. We do need to share. We do need to be open because that's what leadership is. It's not just teaching, 
it's showing. Yep, absolutely. And you can help somebody change their lives in a really unexpected way. Now, granted, I don't really want those phone calls of my employees. Like I'm at a strip club and I'm in trouble, but, but you know what, that it life is messy. And if we only think about leadership in the context of how it's moving business forward, then we miss out on the entire rest of the person, like the whole person who is feeling, showing up every day, going like, oh, this is how I feel. And if you don't address some of those things, then, then you're not going to be able to, or if you don't, let me say that differently. If you're not able to help people address those within themselves, then that's going to hold them back in, in their jobs and their careers and their vocations. And so, you know, you've, you've got to balance it, right? You can't become people's therapists and you can't overshare as you're getting vulnerable with your stories, but you can, you can show people that you are real and that you do understand and that, that it's okay to be a little bit messy because if you invest in messy people, they can come on and do some really, really amazing things. I am firsthand proof of that because I was a complete mess when I was hired at 28 and here I am, you know, 16 years later. So Incredible. Yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna we're have some great quotes to pull from in that little set. So that's that's incredible. Okay, so let's go into some practicality here. Yeah. I want to maybe talk about maybe one of those first two, three, four, five years. So, you know, a little bit of time ago. And I want to know of a good decision that you made in the business. That's you would you think back on it. It was like, this is a good decision. I'll do it over and over again. And it's something that the listener can take away. Yep. Two things. One, asking so many questions. So when I came in, I was 28. I had no idea how to run a business. I knew nothing about the industrial cleaning industry. And there were a lot of people who had been working here for 20 plus years. And I knew that there was no way that I could BS my way through things. And so I just asked a lot of questions. And then, well, how do you think we should fix this? What do you think we should do? And we had some tremendous immediate successes because I just asked questions and everybody could feel like they were part of solving the problem. And I've taken that through, you know, my whole career as, as a a leader is ask questions, involve people. Don't be afraid to say, I don't know. What do you think? In fact, that's my favorite question. Well, tell me what you think. What should we do? And it builds culture. It helps people build confidence in themselves about their own thought process and decision-making process. And it makes them feel part of the company and you get better ideas and information when you ask questions. So that's my first one is ask questions, ask questions, ask questions. The the second one is, so my, my first year's CEO was the 2009 financial, 2008, 2009 financial crisis. And I had no idea what to do. And it was the first time in Stony just history that we were going to have a loss, albeit it was just a small one, thankfully, because it was so much worse for other people. But the reason what we did is we said, what are we really good at? How do we stay focused on the core? How do we exploit the core? Where can we cut everything else, but focus on the core? And that's what we did. And we're an engineering company, R&D, and we were in the midst of international expansion. So focus on continuing to engineer great products and keep expanding, right? How do we get more market share? And so everything else we stopped, Every people took a pay cut. They didn't get profit sharing that year, but we focused on the core and we came back and we were 40% up the next year. And so I've taken that with me is like how, when times are tough, we just did it again here in COVID focus on the core, 
focus on what you're really good at and do not compromise on that compromise in every other area you can, but don't stop investing in what makes you really great. Yeah. Yeah. That second piece I'm, I'm taking away two things, not only do the thing that you're best at or your niche or your core, but then cut the other pieces until you get to a place where you've weathered the storm or whether you've gotten big enough to where probably have the resources to expand outside of that core. Exactly. So it's a double-edged section step there. So you, you gave us three, which is great over, <laughs> over delivering in value. Here today. Oh yes. Well, I tend to probably give people more than what they want. <laughs> For better, for worse, right? <laughs> we get the better part today. Why? Why do you think? Why do you think from your history, even through two thousand eight, two thousand nine, that was your go-to answer? Like, how? Where did that come from in your history? Where you dial in on the core, give the listeners, you know, maybe a story or maybe something a part of your background that that allowed you to kind of press in on that. Well, it was actually from an experience that flopped <laughs> right before that happened. So we decided we, we make a line of sewer cleaning nozzles as well. And we decided to go in a different direction that was outside of our core and it totally flopped. And we spent a bunch of money, especially for a small company, because we were really small back then. And, and it was like, Ooh, okay. And it was, it was fine. Like I'm all for experimenting and, and for, for, for failing fast, which we did, but it was right before we were literally having these conversations about when we are small and we don't have a lot of money to invest, how do we expand what we're really good at? And this was something that we weren't really good at. And so I could take that lesson into the crash going, okay, wow, this is, I know that this is what's right. I learned what happens if you start to, to get too scattered. And so that's what, I didn't know it was going to work, right? I was scared. I had, I had never gone through something like this before, but based on that experience of that flopping, we'd made the decision, then it's our core, it's our core, it's our core. And that just made sense to me going into a downturn. You know, we were in a situation that our products at that time weren't capital expenditures, and they're really, really important to clean. Everything is about the nozzle that cleans. So we knew that we would be able to bounce back pretty quickly when it was all said and done. So how do we just bounce forward instead of just bounce back? And so that was the mentality yeah. that we took. Do you think that like the, the mindset of dialing into the core is like this huge long process or is it like you kind of just already knew? I'm trying to correlate it to the listener right now who is you know, maybe thinking about adding another, another service or another line, like, and, and when do they determine to do that? Or should they just stay with what they know? How do they know what their core is? Maybe some insight. Yeah. I mean, for us, it's easy what our core was. I mean, we've been doing it for 25 years. So that wasn't a difficult thing for us to figure out, but, but, you know, here's, here's an interesting thing that, that we went about doing as we started advancing our technology. And well, at first, let me preface by saying Focus, focus, focus. It is the most important thing that you can do and leveraging the resources that you have, whether that's engineering resources, whether that's marketing resources, whether that's geography, that's a really important, especially when you're a small company. If you start to say, Ooh, I can go after this idea, but I have to pull resources away from what I know, what makes us good. Um, there's a bigger chance that you're going to fail. Now, sometimes companies have to pivot, right? But focus, yep. focus, focus is everything. One of it, but it's also understanding what that focus needs to be and how, as you're evolving your products or service, how that focus needs to change. So um, we make a tool that cleans every type of application that's out there, a pipe, 
a tank, a surface. And when you're making small tools that use basically the same technology, you can have the breadth of the application. Right. When we started getting into automation, I said, let's do the same thing. Let's de develop a piece of automation for every application. Well, that completely failed. It was such a much bigger endeavor to develop a much right. more complex system. And what we should have done is said, we're going to get really, really good at one application because it's a much more complex um, design engineering effort. And yeah. so I had to take us back down and say, okay, now where we went with one type of technology, we went wide, we're going to take this technology and go really deep. And yeah. so, you know, it evolves as your services and as your products, you know, whatever your, whatever you're going to market with changes, you know, it's still on the core. We're still in water blasting. We're still solving the same types of problems, but we took a narrower focus and we're far more successful, but I had to learn the hard way of going too broad and realizing that there was no way we could support that as a company. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. Let's switch over to your bad decision. Same, same type of time frame, maybe, maybe early on something that you just didn't work out that you can share with us that we can learn from. Yeah. Besides, besides making too many products. Oh yeah. That was about, that was, that wasn't a very costly one. So I am a, um, I'm a believer that you can make anything work kind of like that entrepreneurial type mentality yeah. of like, you know, don't tell me no, like we'll figure it out yeah. and I'm okay with taking risks. I like taking risks, but not everybody in the company likes that. And yeah. I led in a very, what I thought was disruptive way, but I think that, you know, many on my team felt like it was probably chaotic because we didn't have <laughs> this like really clear plan tied to the vision of where we're going to go. And so we made a lot of mistakes. We spent way too much money that we didn't need to is if I would have just slowed down and taken more time to plan, <laughs> To really yeah. get, cause you know, you can have a great strategy, but bad execution and it's a bad strategy. And, yep. and so where I've really focused over this last eight years as a leader is in execution. And, and, and I made that mistake early on where, you know, let's try this, let's try this, let's do this. You know, that's okay. We don't have it all figured out. We'll figure it out as we go. And that's tough. You can do a lot. And, and we did a lot in that with that strategy, but it was very uncomfortable and we made mistakes and a lot of people were miserable because we didn't have a plan that they could operate off of. Yeah. I mean, in essence, the, the freedom of doing whatever you want, it feels like, well, if I give that up, then, then I'm, I'm only doing this yeah. one thing or, or, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not entrepreneurial in my thinking, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm a employee mind and, and actually what you're really giving through a little bit more structure, through a little bit more planning is freedom to you, to the team, to like really go after oh, it. Totally. Right. Totally. Totally. I think creativity needs constraints. I think to be really successful, you have to say no to way more than what you say yes to. And I just didn't understand that in my early days. I thought that if I gave up those opportunities that, that came my way, then I somehow wasn't going to grow the business, or I wasn't going to be this visionary leader. And what I've learned is that I'm far more successful when I constrain my ideas, when we have a disciplined process for introducing new initiatives. And when I have a plan that everybody can execute off of, we're so much more successful now because of that, but I had to learn yeah. the hard way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think, I think that we all do <laughs> to right. a degree, 
and maybe the listener is still in that mode of, of learning. I think we, I think even now though, even though we know we, we still have to work this out, even if you know it and you're making the right choice, we still have to consciously mm-hmm. put energy units and attention units towards no, no, we should stay right here. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. You know, we have that fear of missing out and I think entrepreneurs really get that. And the fact is, is that you're probably not. (laughs) And again, that focus, it's really important. Don't, don't get sucked into the trap of thinking that you're going to miss out something that pulls you away from, from, from getting better at what you're already good at. Yeah. So good. Carrie, let's talk about, let's continue this decision-making process, but I want to know like today, Kind of fast forward now. Is there a certain formula, steps that you follow, mindset that you're in when you're trying to make decisions today? Sure. So yes, we have a, a much more disciplined process. So we we actually took the I don't know if anybody's read Built to Last. Oh, yeah. Sure. Or is it I, I think it's actually great by choice. I think it's great by choice. I, I sure. love all of them. But they talk about a smack recipe. So what is it that's your core that, that really has made you successful? And in the book, they give the example of of Southwest Airlines. And it so yep. resonated with me because it's a framework for making decisions, for judging your ideas. And so we built our own smack recipe. We call it the, our recipe for success. And we filter our ideas through that process, at least our big, you know, the big ideas that we have. And so how is it going to fit into that framework? And, and it's really good because everybody can understand it and everybody can use it. And that means that I don't have to be the one making all the decisions all the time that my team feels empowered because they know the vision, they know what we're trying to achieve and they have this this framework for decision-making. I'm a big believer in framework for decision-making. And so we go through and we judge it on the five different components of our recipe for success. And that's how we make decisions. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, in essence, your recipe has come from the vision and the plan. Yep. And and then to the principle that you just taught us is you stay focused. Yep. So if we're going to stay focused, if that's what we're committed to, and this is the vision and the plan, the decision is either it helps us get here or it doesn't. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. It, it, it really is brilliant. And Southwest Airlines is such a good example because, you know, they made the decision It's going to be, you know, short flights, it's going to have to be using this size of plane. And so, you know, and then they, of course they have the whole culture side of things. And so when I read that, I was like, oh, I can see that. And it's what made them, you know, the only and incredibly profitable airline in the world, in the world. And so it was a very concrete example that I could see the value. If, if I created something like this, it'll help us stay focused and it will also help us stay true to our core, right? We're a great company built on really, really solid values. And I don't want to take us away from that. So you can't just look at the financial impact. You have to look at it from the resource impact. And also what is this going to do to the culture? How are my employees going to feel when we make this decision? Yeah. I love that. Okay. So I'm going to switch over to the speed round. I got a couple of different types of questions that come at you. The first one's about KPIs. Obviously you track, I'm sure a ton. What's the one thing that you would track over and over and over again, if you could only pick one? Yeah, this is a hard question. <laughs> I can't just pick one. For me, it would be incoming quotes pace. Okay. So pipeline um, related. Yeah. Yeah. Because if I had to pick one, because you can do so much with that, right? You understand how your lead generation is flowing and sales is a numbers game, right? So if you have, you know, if you're increasing your incoming quote pace, then you have the opportunity to close more. And then, you know, then you have more opportunities to close deals. And that's what drives 
your that's what drives your sales revenue. It's what drives your EBITDA. It's what drives your cash flow. So I think if I was going to measure just one, it would be incoming quote pay, pace. Yeah. I love how you gave the, the, the depiction forward and backward in the yeah. process. Cause it's actually not the first thing, obviously getting the lead or the marketing story out would be first, but that little piece right there tells the story both ways. Exactly. That's why. Yeah. So that's why, you know, it can be both a leading and lagging indicator. So if I had to choose one, I would want, that's the, the, the best one I could think of that would give me both a leading and lagging feel for what's going on in the company. Yeah. Love that. What book would you recommend? You already, you already mentioned Jim Collins, but is there another one that you want to throw at us for a six figure business owner? Oh my gosh. I read so much. I think, so I'm big on strategy. And the but strategy is so hard for people to wrap their heads around. And the best book that I've ever read is called Good Strategy, Bad Strategy by, oh gosh, I forgot to write down his name. I have it over here. Ronald, Ron something. Sorry, you'll have to, to Google that we'll, and put we'll it in the show notes. Yep, yep. Um, <laughs> yeah, Good Strategy, Bad Strategy, game-changing book on how to think about strategy. And he writes it in a way that you can really, that you can take it and implement it and, and, and work with your team on understanding strategies. So it's, it's, it's one of the, I I've read it probably five or five or six times at least. And I'm not a big read book, read a book over again person, but this one is a, is really, really good. Yeah. Love that. Very good. What you said, other than being able to understand it and then give it to your team, is there anything specific inside that book where you're just like, I got this one piece? Yeah. So it's, it's all, and this seems obvious, but it's not right. It's all comes down what he calls the kernel of strategy, but it's really about what problem are you trying to solve <laughs> and then how your new, unique market position and solution can solve that. So we talk about the kernel of strategy and I just simplify it down to, for my team is what problem are we trying to solve and why are we going to be the very best at solving that? That is simply what your strategy is. In fact, our strategic plan starts with that. Here's the problem we're trying to solve. And, our, and everybody can relate to it. All my employees, okay, yeah, I, I understand that, right? It just simplifies it so much. So he calls it the kernel of strategy and I call it a real keen focus on what problem you're trying to solve and why you are in a unique position to solve it. Yeah, love that. Okay, what do you think about intentionally networking and or masterminding with other entrepreneurs? Oh, I'm a huge believer in it. So I'm part of YPO, Young Presidents Organization, and it yep. has been a life-changing organization for me. I I just, you know, I think being a CEO, especially young, I thought like I was the only person going through what I was going through and there's nobody to really talk to. You can't talk to your employees about the things you're worried about. And, and yep. I have a board of directors now who I have that relationship, but back then I was like, I'm not telling them that I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> And so YPO really gave me the opportunity to, to, to experience share with other CEOs. And I realized like, oh gosh, I'm not the only person who feels this way. And I could meet people who could inspire me or help me point me in the right direction, make contact, make introductions to contacts that I needed. So I'm a huge believer in it. And I think masterminds are awesome. I'm getting actually ready to create a mastermind for YPO right now with uh, ASU's Thunderbird School of Business. And I love it because you can bring the education piece into networking. That's why I think Vistage is really cool too. I'm not part of Vistage, but anyway, I think every, every, every CEO, entrepreneur, you know, it, it, it really, everybody should be part of a peer networking group where you can learn and experience share. 
Yeah, I love that. Okay, I have one last question here for you, Carrie, yep. as my as my AirPods just died. So hopefully our audio is still good. Yep, you sound great. Awesome. If you could whisper in the younger Carrie's ear, what would you say? Don't be so hard on yourself. I spent a lot, it's gonna make me emotional. I spent a lot of years beating myself up, never thinking that I was good enough, always thinking that I had to be somebody who I wasn't to be likable, to be lovable. And I understand where that comes from now, but I spent a lot of years suffering, you know, through my own view of myself. And, and now that I've learned to love myself flaws and all my life is so much better because I can be forgiving and I can laugh at myself where before I could never do that. And so I spent a lot of years in pain, self-induced pain by being really hard on myself. Yeah. That's so good. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that. I can see that it means a lot to you. I think every entrepreneur has a level of standard, standard of excellence. We want to win. We want to be good. We want to be better than maybe someone told us that we could, or that we were meant to be, you know, growing up in a single mom family myself. And even after marrying my wife, her grandmother telling me that I would never be successful because I wasn't college educated and you know, all the little things that we way. And it helps us just to know that even someone at your level felt the same way. So thank you for sharing. Yeah. Thanks Um, for asking. You've been incredible. How can the listener find you? Find your business to maybe maybe they know someone that needs to use your service or maybe they just want to reach out to you as an entrepreneur. How can they find you? Yeah. So first I'm really active on LinkedIn. So Carrie Siggins on LinkedIn. That's and then I have my own website, carriesiggins.com. And I've got a couple podcasts and I speak a lot and I've got my book that'll be coming out. I don't have a launch date for that, but you can get basically anywhere in any of the, any of any of my world through carriesickens.com. If you're interested more in learning about Stone Age, it's stoneagetools.com, super niche business, but we do really cool things. So we are employee owned. And so I do a lot in employee ownership. So if you're ever interested in that as a, a viable exit model, succession model, ownership transition, you're just curious about how to engage your employees and ownership thinking, then please reach out to me. I'm always happy to, to, to chat about it. It's, it's, a, it's a, one of my many passions. Yeah. I love that. You can tell it. Wow. I'm going to say on behalf of the listeners, today has been incredible for me just to getting to know you and here's hearing you answer some of these questions. Thank you for being here. I, I think that you have done not only just incredible things, but the message that got translated today through this podcast. And then of course, soon to be your book. And I'm sure when you speak on stage, people feel the same way, but you have an impact, just power that that is meant for many to hear. So thank you for sharing here today. We wish you nothing but blessing and success on your family, your business, your new book coming out. Thank you for being here, Carrie. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 kings, specifically who are grateful, but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, 
that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.